Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. I don't know about you, but the first day of the week sets the tone and tenor for the rest of the week for me spiritually, and uh, you help do that in my own in my own life. There are some words and images that just do not correlate. They do not fit together. They're sort of out of place. And so we've taken these tests in school where they give you four words and then you have to identify the word that's an outlier. It just doesn't make sense with the other words. And so let's do that this morning, if you don't mind. I'm gonna give you three words, or four words Three that correlate and one that does not. It's, it's an outlier, doesn't quite fit. And you shout out the one that doesn't quite fit. All right? <clears throat> um, one, two, three, Apple. Okay, app. I didn't hear you online, so you need to participate as well. Some of you catch that on the way home. <laughs> um, apple, banana, orange. Uh, dog. This is a sharp crowd. All right, here's another one. Uh, Dalmatian, retriever, uh, German shepherd, um, eagle. Huh, you got it again. Okay. Um, trials, trouble, temptations, joy. Yeah, joy seems like an outlier, doesn't it? Um, sort of like a milk bucket under a bull. Some of you will catch that on the way home. <laughs> it just doesn't quite fit, naturally speaking. But in the book of James that we will be in for the next several weeks, Lord willing, we're going to be looking at the bold wisdom of James, how we can live out loud our faith uh, here in the 21st century. And uh, look at this idea of endurance with joy. In fact, that's what I want to talk about today, the bold endurance um, from the wisdom of James. And that has to be mixed with, with joy. It has to be mixed with joy. And so we'll take a look at at these six principles over the next several weeks that speak uh, to this issue with the book of James. As I read the text here, I want you to pronounce out loud words that are akin to endurance and patience. So I'm gonna read um, two passages of scripture. When you see words a word form of patience or endurance, I want you to shout that word out to me. James, <clears throat> a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, that is throughout the Roman Empire, greetings, he says. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces <clears throat> and let have its perfect result 
so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And then in James 5, therefore be <clears throat> brothers and sisters until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the saw being about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be strengthen your hearts. Do not complain, brothers and sisters, against one another. As an example, brothers and sisters of suffering and take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who and you have heard of the of Job and you have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. And so James is writing to the dispersed Jesus followers throughout the entire Roman Empire and he's writing to them because of the various trials and tests and what we call stresses today that they are enduring and giving them insight, light, and wisdom on how to endure those. <clears throat> they were enduring all kinds of trials and tests. Spiritual persecution was one because when they surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, they did not give allegiance to the Greek mythology or Roman mythology of gods. They paid less attention to Caesar, though they obeyed the Roman government where they, where they could. The Jewish leaders, they were persecuted because when you swore allegiance to Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ of God, then it led you away from uh, the law of Moses and the Jews expecting another Messiah. So spiritual persecution being sort of the new religious kid on the block, they had trials as a result of that. They also had some relational trials because once you surrender to the Lordship of Christ, your family and friends would ostracize you and you needed to be a part of a new community because the old one you had was no longer in place. They had financial trials. He was writing to them because historians tell us up to 30 to 50% of the Roman Empire citizens were unemployed. Can you imagine that? And so there was a certain degree of hardship that came from unemployment and financial trials. They had all kinds of trials. He was writing to them to let them know how they could endure these trials when mixed with joy. And then trials. Most trials do not have to do with personal sin. Let me repeat that. Most trials do not have to do with personal sins. All trials have to do with original sin. That is, when Adam and Eve sinned, they gave us a genetic birth defect so that naturally we walk away from God. Our tendency is to be selfish, to want to be independent, and to do it our own way. We have that genetic defect. But because of original sin, we have many, many 
trials. Let me name at least 11 of them. These issues that cause us trials in life. Aging and disease has nothing to do with personal sin, but original sin. Aging and disease is a trial. Um, um, death is a trial. Famine is a trial. That is shortages of, of uh, resources like water, food, etc. Fires is a trial. My mom's house burned completely to the ground several years ago. It was a trial to have to rebuild it. Greed is a trial. Ignorance causes trials. Poverty causes trials and tests and stress. Pride, satanic interference, sickness, wars, weather, is a trial. These things are because of original sin. And James says, my brothers and sisters, count it joy when, not if, you endure various trials. I mean, it's not just going to be one. It can be, but it's often more than one in the various areas of our, <clears throat> our lives. Personally, I'm enduring three trials as we speak. How many are you enduring? Is there a trial or test or stress that you're going through right now? Trials can be short-term, intermediate-term, or long-term. But whether they are short-term, intermediate-term, or long-term, they are pressures that preoccupy our souls and there are problems and perplexities that need to be solved. Sometimes, again, that's short-term, sometimes it's intermediate, sometimes it's long-term, but I will have various trials throughout life. And so James says, what you need, Rufus, is wisdom. You need wisdom, that's why he connects verses three and five together. When you go through these various trials, not if, but when, you will need wisdom, divine insight on how to handle them. And how do you get that? James 1.5 says, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him what? Ask of God, who gives it to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. One of the most simple prayers I can pray is, God, as I'm going through this trial or trials, where I lack divine insight, give me wisdom to know how to navigate. And he'll give it to me. Ask for the wisdom, James says. If you don't have it already, then ask for it. And he will give it to me. Wisdom and knowledge. Uh, we understand the difference, but let me just repeat it for us. Knowledge is the acquisition of truth. Of God's Word. Any truth is from God, so it's the acquisition of truth. Wisdom is the utilization of that truth. It's the application or utilization of that, that truth. James is packed full of that kind of wisdom. There are many epistles in the Bible, particularly from Paul, that are written high academics, tells us why 
we need to know certain things. James is high action. It focuses on how we need to do certain things. And so James talks about orthopraxy, big word for the practice in everyday living. And Paul talks about orthodoxy, that is why the, the um, uh, academics of why we ought to live a certain way. James is very practical, down to earth, and he talks about wisdom. A difference between wisdom and knowledge would be between the doctor and the pharmacist and you. The doctor writes a prescription that you don't understand, and by faith you takes it to a pharmacist who interprets that, mixes up stuff that you don't understand, and guess what you do? Swallow it. You utilize it. That's wisdom and knowledge at work. You take a builder and an architect. An architect would be knowledge by conceiving a plan. A builder would be wisdom by putting into practice that particular plan, making it come to pass. James says you and I need that kind of wisdom to know how to utilize the Word of God to a specific situation. And then joy. Joy has to do with unseen resources. Joy has to do with a certain knowledge that I have in my soul that gives me confidence that I don't have to panic or be frantic in the midst of a trial. I need joy. That's the outlier. That seems not to mix with trial and trouble and tests and stress. But it's the spiritual skill that I need to constantly be reminded of. So Paul, uh, James says, count it all joy. It's a choice. Now, I can count it as negative, or I can count it as joy. It's that unseen resource. We've, we've heard, perhaps, that happiness is based on happenings, and if nothing is happening, I can't be happy. If your team is not in the playoffs, ain't nothing happening for you. And if that's what your happiness is based on, you can't be happy, right? In enjoyment based on events. If there are no events, I can't enjoy. But joy is much deeper than that. Joy has to do with unseen resources. Joy has to do with the fact that God has my back and my present location is not going to be my final destination. I know that, James says. When you know that, then you can mix in joy with trials, and it'll change your attitude. It'll change your action. So joy, joy. The, the, the Greek word is a picture of a lamb that's skipping, a skipping lamb. You know why the lamb skips? The lamb skips because they know that the shepherd will protect them, will provide for them. It doesn't have to worry about food. It doesn't have to worry about pastures. It doesn't have to worry about wild animals because the shepherd will provide and protect. That's why the lamb skips. It's that disposition that they have based on what they know. You ever heard the term, I got your back? Somebody said, oh yeah, of course you have. When a person says, I got your back, that means I'm going to be with you through thick and thin. Don't worry about whatever you're going through. You are not by yourself. Now, I was raised in cafes and bars, of course, and as a brutal asthmatic, I was undernourished and, 
didn't grow into being until later in life. So as a little boy, Harry, I would have a bad mouth and I wanted the big boys to know I was somebody. So I cussed a lot, said bad things. And guess what they did? Beat me up. But that was, that was how I got attention, right? But there were times when I would make them mad, call them out of their names and say something, and then they would run and chase me, and then I'd get to my front porch, and I'd say, God, come mess with me now. I dare you. You know why I was so bold? Because my dad was inside, and I knew he had my back. Listen, joy, hardest, C-H-A-R-I-S in the Greek, means I can have the disposition of a skipping lamb because I know the shepherd has my back and he'll provide and protect me through all of my trials. I have to learn to mix in joy. Count it. Count it negative or you count it as joy. Let me illustrate this. I think I have a couple of people who illustrate. There we go. Come on up. If you were... I have two? Okay, good. They have no idea what they're about to en- endure. None. You trust me? Yes. Okay, good. All right. All right, I want you to take these first two cups. Now, I want you to chug it down don't sip it, just chug it. In our cafe life, we would say kill it. Now I want you to kill it. On three. One, two, three. What's the matter? Why are you frowning? What's, why are you frowning? Pastor, I'm getting you. What's the frowning? Luana say, I'm getting you. <laughs> kind of bitter? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. That's how trials are, right? They just hit us sometimes, and that's our reaction. All right, that's another two cups right there. Now, before you take it, you know that old adage, when it rains, it pours? Or it gets worse before it gets better? Now, I want you to kill it. Don't sip it. On three, one, two, three. Ah, she said, much better. The first was very bitter. The second one, much better? Much better. You know the difference? Same lemonade, just mixed with some honey, and it was much better. Let's give him a hand. Amen. Honestly, if I could share five principles in life with people, it would be the one James is talking about. Brother Rufus, count it. Make a choice as joy to mix it in to bitterness because when you have that internal knowledge that my present location is not my final destination, then it changes my disposition, my attitude, and my actions. James said, because when it first hits me, it's bitter. But when I mix it with joy, it makes me better. James says, that's the wisdom you and I and I need. And then he talks about endurance. Endurance. Endurance 
because of the word, the Greek word is patient or endurance. I want to use the word endurance. The Greek word hupomone means this. It means holding up under pressure with joy without giving up. Holding up under pressure with joy without giving up. I may give in, but I won't give up. And how many of you know there's a difference? There is a difference in giving in and not giving up. I need endurance. Endurance mixed with joy will make me strong. It's a mindset. It's a switch. It makes me strong. And so whatever I'm going through, God wants me to endure it, mix with joy, and it will make me strong. And when it does that, then I can handle no matter the trials that come into my life. And then, and then James picks up an example. Again, he is full of practicality. He not only tells us about patience or endurance, he then gives us an example. And he gives us this example in the person of Job. You may have heard the story of Job, the richest man in the East, Job, the man that God the Father bragged on, Job, the one who Satan and God were having a discussion about. And the Lord said, do you know my servant Job? And he said, yes, I know him, uh, but uh, you have a hedge around him and you're protecting him. Um, that's why he serves you. But if you move that hedge, I guarantee you, he'll curse you to your face. And God said, all right, I'll let you move the hedge. You can touch his stuff, you can touch his body, but not his life. How would you like to be in on that conversation? And so Job had no idea what was going on. He was the richest man in the East. He was living faithfully before God. He had seven sons and three daughters. And one day he woke up before the setting of the sun, he lost it all. I like to say his family was fractured, his finances were finished, his future was further, his flesh was feeble before the setting of the sun. And when the setting of the sun came, here's what Job did. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head, fell to the ground to complain. Hmm? To worship. And he said this, I came naked from my mother's womb. I will be naked when I leave. It was the Lord who gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it all away. Blessed or praise the name of the Lord. And all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. He mixed joy in with endurance and it made him strong. Now let's get to the 21st century. And I want you to hear the story of one of our Hope members who also adopted this attitude. Listen to this. I've been married 36 years and have two grown children that are married. I have two beautiful daughter-in-laws and three grandchildren and another grandchild on the way. I have a business, a wardrobe consulting business, so we are very fulfilled. We have a small group here at church. 
I teach in the women's ministry and Bible study on Wednesdays, so I would say my life is very, very full. On May the 28th, uh, I went in for hip problems, and my doctor did an MRI, and he discovered swollen lymph nodes. Told to go to an oncologist, and it was confirmed through a biopsy that I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. The non-Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis was uh, one of a high grade, which was very aggressive. And uh, our doctor told us that if I did not take the chemo, or if the chemo did not work, that um, I would have two to four months to live. So uh, two days later, I was in the hospital at Baptist East um, doing all the things that cancer patients do. During that six days in the hospital, I can remember thinking um, this cannot be true, that this is not the life that I signed up for, that I have too much to do. But also on the other part of that uh, aspect was that um, there was a peace that was an unnatural peace to have uh, during the circumstances that I did. From the moment that I entered the hospital from uh, the lady that admissions, she had her Bible sitting beside her, so we discussed uh, our faith. The day that I was to receive my first round of chemo, my chemo nurse, Lauren, knelt down beside my bed and held Don's hand and my hand and prayed over us and prayed that this chemo would do its job. I guess that's probably where my peace started growing, that I knew that there was a peace that passes all understanding. And it never left me. There were moments where uh, I would call myself in the pit, but there were also moments where I knew the only thing I could do was to look up. So we have a little farm down in Mississippi, and I um, got on the four-wheeler and rode up to this area called the Allen Field. Had a lawn chair, had my Bible and my phone. And I was actually praising the Lord. I was, I was begging with all of my heart to take this cancer away. And I heard very distinctly, very quietly, in a very soft whisper, I heard him say no. But I also heard him say, I will walk with you through this. And so I kind of knew that I wasn't going to receive the news that I wanted, but I also knew that he would be by my side the whole time. And it was up to me to reach out to him to keep myself where I needed to be beside him. Amen. Happy to report to you today, Miriam's cancer is in remission. Amen. <clears throat> Endurance mixed with joy will manifest itself in these practical ways. First, I'll be praying consistently, praying consistently. Sometimes I believe um, that Praying over and over consistently to God about the same thing is a lack of faith. James says just the opposite. Ask God, he says. Actually, praying consistently over and over about the same thing is a sign of my faith. So ask and keep on asking. So endurance mixed with joy practically looks like praying Consistently, it may be daily, it may be weekly, but it's on a regular basis for whatever situation or trial I'm going through. Secondly, it means thinking biblically. Thinking 
biblically is not always thinking naturally. Sometimes biblical thinking cuts against the grain. It's counterculture to what I'm hearing as far as the world's culture is concerned or even how I feel. So think biblically. And then it also means sometimes doing nothing, which is the most challenging thing for many of us because sometimes there's nothing I can do and I have to endure patiently and trust God doing nothing. And it's all right. It doesn't mean I'm not acting in faith. And then other times, lastly, it means working feverishly. That is doing everything I can to tackle a given issue. <clears throat> and let me say something on that issue. I want to encourage or challenge or admonish many of us or some of us who may tend to be hyper-spiritual and say, when I'm afflicted with something like cancer or some disease or some diagnosis, I'm going to refuse medication because I'm going to trust God to heal me. And let me say to you, God has given men and women wisdom through medicine. He can heal with medicine or without medicine. Whatever he chooses, I rejoice in that choice. But don't hyper-spiritualize your trials and say, I don't need anybody else. I'm just going to trust God. That's not, according to James, bold wisdom. So pray consistently. Think biblically. Sometimes do nothing. Other times, work feverishly, doing everything I can to throw at a particular problem. Let me close with this. <clears throat> I love the story of a little boy who liked to read about a Western sheriff. It was a series of six books, and he had read them all. He was on his sixth book. And one day, uh, evening, his father was going through the house. It was bedtime. Light should have been out. And he went by his son's room. He saw that the, the light was on in the room. And he heard his son behind the closed doors laughing. <laughs> if you only knew what I know, he said. <laughs> if you only knew what I know. His dad got a little concerned. So he opened the door. He said, son, are you all right? He said, yeah, dad, I'm fine. He said, well, I see your light is on, and I hear you laughing. He said, so what's going on? He said, well, dad, I was reading about the Western sheriff, my hero. Uh, but dad, in this book, number six, it was not like the other books. Because in this book, the bad sheriff would knock down the good sheriff. The bad sheriff would get all the ladies in town. The bad sheriff would put the good sheriff in jail. And I read that, Dad, and I, 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 just, I just couldn't stand it. So I closed the book, and I went to sleep, but I couldn't sleep. And then I decided, Daddy, to turn to the back of the book. And when I got over there, I decided I saw that the good sheriff would win after all. And when I saw that the good sheriff would win after all, I went back to the book in the beginning. And every time I saw where the bad sheriff would knock down the good sheriff, I couldn't help but laugh. Because I said, ha, 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 if you only knew what I know. 
And when the bad sheriff would put the good sheriff in jail, I couldn't help but laugh because I said, if you only knew what I know, James is saying when it comes to endurance mixed with joy, since we have a knowledge that God has my back, that no matter what happens to me in trials and tests, I know what the outcome ultimately will be and I can smile on the inside. It'll change my disposition. If you only knew what I know, I like that. So I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this. He's got my back. And that knowledge will produce a joy and a disposition that will change my attitude and my actions. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you for trial, trouble, temptations. We don't know if it's going to be short-term, intermediate-term, or long-term trial. But we do know this, that you have told us to count it all joy when we encounter various trials and tests and stress of life because our present location will not be our final destination. When with the bold wisdom that we get from your servant James is practiced, when endurance is mixed with joy, it makes us strong. So we ask that you would help us. If we don't know what to do, ask. You'll show us through your word, through other people. You'll show us. So may we pray consistently, think biblically, even when it goes against the grain of my feelings or the world's advice, to do nothing and then to work feverishly. And we thank you for being our shepherd. It's in your name we pray. In fact, we dare like Job in the midst of calamity to praise you, to say that whatever we have, you gave us. And if you choose to take it away, it's yours. In either case, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Obenizen, musical worship director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.